Blackcast. Thank you for $1.99. You're doing great. I love you more than a friend. Tukey loves you more than a friend, Christian. Whoa! Go give them a uh, a like or subscribe or whatever you do on this internet crap. This is the Blackcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world. It's upon the hour to come amongst you and amaze you with absolute, incredible, out-of-this-world-type sounds. Look out! Here we go! Good morning, Apple Scruffs. Welcome to Breakfast with the Beatles. Sit you down, Father. It started in Liverpool, England. Welcome to Slagger, featuring Dennis Olfens. And here's your host, Christian Blatt. This is Paul McCartney saying, this is where it's at, Chris. Take it. Yes, indeed. Welcome to our good apple scrubs here which makes more sense for those of you who actually heard the uh, fancy intro i did but we continue the bromance with my friend tukey uh who was kind enough to shout people out on his chat asking them to give us a like but somebody that i gave a like to a long time ago well i remember the first time i gave you a thumbs up will sterling how are you sir when was that uh, you know, I think it was, uh, it, it was in the, uh, the gentleman's room at Westwood one, when you were looking for a job, I gave you a thumbs up. I see. That was the, that was <laughs> That's the- what I was getting at. Yes. Okay. Okay. It wasn't Mr. President. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know? Yeah. Uh, so will you and I are here today, uh, because, uh, we can't get enough of each other. Uh, but we are here to talk about blue beetle uh or as my uh my grandmother would have said blue beetle i believe is how she would have pronounced this movie um but uh, we will talk about blue beetle uh in the live chat our pal ivan soto absolutely loved this movie at the same time dominicus saxon has not seen this movie but not sure i'm going to at least in the theater all depends if there's anything better playing there is that uh, movie with the foul mouth talking dogs called Strays that I do legitimately want to see uh, with my AMCA list. But uh, having not seen that, I would say this movie's worth checking out. We'll we'll start big picture, and in a little bit, uh, our friend, the raging rhino John Nolan, should be able to join us at least for part of this conversation. But for now, Will Sterling and I are uh, talking about how just a couple days ago. And yes. Will, turn, Will, you uh, you teleported. It was great for our visual audience. You like ducked out of frame, and it was like you got transported back up to the Enterprise. It was. Uh, it is trash day, so coming. I'm trying to close the window because the truck is coming down the street. Oh, okay. Well, you know, it just adds to the ambiance, as it were. In any case, uh, you and I, uh, you ventured to the valley, which is it's like you know you got to get your shots. You have to get your money changed over. It's a big deal from your part of LA to come to the Valley, isn't it? I mean, kind of, I used to live over there. So I think sure. I, I got used to making that drive for work like every day. Yeah. Uh, so not, not, you know, not the end of the world. No, but at the same time, it's, it, it's never done from where you live now in under 30 minutes, which I think you realize Correct. like, Oh yeah, it definitely takes, you know, 35, 40. Yeah. Uh, but 
we had uh, a lovely afternoon at the uh, AMC 16 and uh, a little bit. We'll share some of the sights <laughs> along the way, but uh, let's start off uh, just talking big picture about the movie. I'd like to know in terms of your familiarity, your appreciation with the character Blue Beetle and how that shaped your anticipation for this film version. Uh not a ton of familiarity really at all. I, I mean, in terms of reading comics, when they sort of recreated this character in 2006, 2004, somewhere in there, I think, um, they definitely worked really hard to prioritize and try to make him like a standout character. He got his own book, he, you know, like he was incorporated in a lot of stuff. Like, it was a character that at that time, which was sort of coming out of the, I don't know, some other crisis, they were, uh, they were trying to, to make him like a, a leading character. So I, like, I appreciated that, but I never read the book. I never really got, got into it. Um, so I didn't have a huge understanding of the character, knew his sort of background in general. And then obviously his, his, uh, you know, Mexican heritage is very important to the character and to the family and to, you know, like, um, so that was always cool and appealing, but, um, he's also different than the Ted Cord blue beetle, which is right. As we see in the movie, which is kind of one of the things I wish was like a little bit different, but you know, that was just a guy like a Batman knockoff versus this is like an alien technology. So they definitely revamped. I'm surprised they chose that character to make into something brand new because it's really not the same character. It's not a kid who just gets a bunch of money and toys. He's possessed by an alien, essentially. Right. And uh, do you feel like the nod to the Ted Cord version as featured in the film uh, was it was nice to pay that homage or should they have ignored it entirely? Or what do you think? I thought it was nice. I actually wished... I didn't know how it was all going to shake out. And obviously, well, I mean, we'll probably talk about this in detail as we go forward. But, you know, there's a little tease about that character and certain things. And so I think that my only thing that I wish actually that they'd done with that character was established that he existed at some point in time before they just like went into his lair. And George Lopez is like, oh, I love this guy, the Blue Beetle. He was like Batman, but better. You know, you're like, cool. We have yeah. no information about this person until we got to his Batcave, basically. Right. And I wouldn't have hated like an opening prologue of sorts, sort of sort of like, uh, yeah, like, you know how they're James Bond and Mission Impossible. They usually have sort of these opening sequences that aren't attached to the movies themselves, at least not usually. So right. if there was like a standalone like Blue Beetle, you know, kind of set in an earlier era, you know, obviously uh, pimped out with like 90s styles and music or something like that uh that 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 would have uh, worked for you yeah just something small that like you know it maybe explains why he disappeared a little bit it could just show him disappearing or something happening then you cut to the present day you cut to uh susan sarandon's character like trying to get the scarab you're like oh this is all connected so then when you find his layer again and you have some of this information you know it it's strung together a little bit better than hey you know this original character that this character was sort of based on we're not going to talk about him until we're literally in his house looking at his costume. So for <laughs> yeah. anybody who's uninitiated with the history of the Blue Beetle, I, there might be a little bit of like, wait, what? There, what? 
would it uh would it have been too on the nose if uh like a, a setup like that had a, a young boy version of the george lopez character being saved by the blue beetle like maybe you know building was going to fall on him and he grabs him yeah. and you know run with the you know that now i'm kind of describing the opening of batman vs superman now that i say it out loud but you know what i mean something like that like yeah. oh i love this guy and in fact he actually saved my life once you know right right i think uh I, ivan soto's mentioned in the comments that they do you know he's in news clippings and there's a picture of him and they mentioned ted cord like that's yeah, all yeah, yeah. Well, let's put that up so yeah so ted yeah, cord yeah. was mentioned in the movie before his beetle lair as it were uh they even showed news clippings and such it's true uh in the opening um i don't know that the name cord jumped out at me i just saw that there was some blue beetle stuff but yeah. and honestly ivan until you mentioned it, i actually forgot about that i, 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 I remember I mean. it now yeah, I don't know. I remember seeing those pictures and being like, oh, cool. It's like kind of throwbacky with him in the costume and stuff. I just don't know that it did enough from a writing standpoint to establish that character as something significant until we're actually in his lair. So it still it still felt clunky. I thought at first it was just fan service that we were seeing some of this stuff like, oh, cool. Uh, but then when they established his like lair, I assumed that he was going to show up at the end of the movie or help them at some point. You know what I mean? I was like, OK, what how? How much is this character actually going to be involved? And obviously, it sounds right. like it's not a sequel if there is one. So, yeah, and uh, the uh, the future of Blue Beetle is something that we'll uh, we'll certainly talk about. Uh, Ivan Soto also made uh, very active in the chat today, as you always are when you show up, Ivan. So thank you. Uh, Ivan Soto makes the point: Spider-Man across the Spider Verse, Blue Beetle, Hispanic superheroes are all over the place. Uh, Ivan Soto uh, has. Hispanic heritage. I, uh, I I forget specifically which one, but I know I've known you long enough, Ivan, that I know that. So that it look, I, I'm sure it feels great for everybody. You know, I mean, I talked years ago about when my wife saw Shang Chi. She's like, "Oh, this is great," but boy, I wish I had stuff like this when I was a kid. You know, yeah. she, my wife's Chinese American, so it's like, "Oh, this is great," but boy, where has this sort of thing been? And I guess all you can do is be like, "Well, it's cool that we're we're getting it now," you know, and. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the mid afternoon screening that uh, Will and I went to in uh, in Burbank uh, was well attended and I think ethnically diverse and they were definitely people laughing at things that you know were funny to me but I probably didn't connect to. There were people laughing really hard at uh, some of the the family interactions, some of the things that they were saying. Uh, so I think that. Uh, just the completely anecdotal evidence from the screening we were at, uh, it seemed to have connected with a Latino, possibly Mexican uh, segment of the audience we were in. And uh, it seems like great care was taken to reference, you know, whatever like that telenovela was that they showed a little bit on the TV at one point. Yeah. And even I know enough from, you know, Univision that I kind of, that, that sort of uh, pizza hut noid looking character with the big ears. I have seen that before. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you the name of it, but I'm like, Oh, I've seen that. It was kind of fun to have, you know, some of that little animation in there. So I think, you know, if you are going to, you know, and I think that they did this really well with uh, Miles Morales on screen. When you're going to have the ethnicity be a part of the character, definitely take the time to make sure that it's well represented and you embrace it. Not like, oh yeah, this is uh, this hero, but now it's a chick. Or this is this hero, and uh, we've changed the race because of the actor we had. You know, I think that, uh, you know, you can... You can say what you want about the end result of the movie, but I think that the setup and uh, anybody who has a large family of any kind probably can relate to that. Uh, the segment where, you know, he's going for his 
job interview uh, where his whole family is just like basically out in the street yelling, mm -hmm. cheering him on. It was kind of funny, I thought. You know, I think yeah. that that family dynamic was fun. And nobody better than George Lopez, by the way, to play his uncle, right? He was very funny. I've always been a fan of George Lopez. I On the car ride back, I... I feel like he's been in trouble for some shit recently. I guess not enough things that I'm. But it's aware. yeah, and you're right. And honestly, I meant to try and figure out what it is. But it's not. Yeah. A, look, the people who are really in trouble, like we know why Marilyn Manson's in trouble. Right. You know, we yeah. we we know why Harvey Weinstein's in trouble. You know. Yeah. So what George Lopez did, the the things that I remember, George Lopez was you know getting too drunk and saying something on a talk show that he probably Which I've shouldn't. been here yeah. too. So I, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. wait, you've been too drunk on a show before? I, this, I don't think I have clips of that that I could roll in right now if I were so. In fact, yeah, doing doing voices that were uh, not appropriate. Um, oh, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about the time you were drunk and oh, for our after our, our Oscars after show. No, that that there were times where you had a buzz, but that was the time where I was like. Man, Will's shit faced. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I don't think I could bring myself to watch that episode. Um, especially because oh man, you know what? If we had Patreon, I could do one of those things. Well, if we get a thousand subscribers, Will and it, I will. Did will, you take uh, it down? Is it not available to the? Public? No, it's available. No, no, but I could I could set it to private right now, and <sighs> then like we'll watch it together. Is what I was going to okay. say. That would I be. And this could be a conversation. I've stopped drinking, actually. So this can be a conversation for later times. But that's definitely one of those moments that I'm like, oh, this is why. This is why we don't do this anymore. Um, but George Lopez, I don't know. I just always thought he was funny. I like him. I liked his stand-up as a kid in middle school and high school. I liked his delivery. I actually liked the George Lopez show growing up, like, as a sitcom. So he's just always made me laugh. And uh, uh, he was funny in this movie. I, he's just one of those people that I think has funny stage presence. You know, like yes, he doesn't really have to do a lot. He's he's just very funny. So he's I thought um, I thought he did a good job and was a much needed, you know, the funny the funny guy in the for a company that was originally apparently no jokes. This was uh, this had lots of jokes, lots of jokes. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, it's, you know, and funny because uh, I, I quickly just typed in George Lopez uh, uh canceled and then it just talked about how his show lopez versus lopez was renewed for season two so it actually so he wasn't canceled in the showbiz way um yeah. and uh i will definitely have to uh take a look for that you know if the they're future. still giving him new sitcoms and renewing them it sounds like he's fine it he, like he should be okay yeah. it's not significant enough to warrant whatever yeah exactly right exactly so uh, i think that uh uh, I think that uh, he's, I don't know. I mean, I think that he's very well known, you know, just across. Okay. So I'm trying to, you know, so like, okay. So Gabriel Fluffy Iglesias is, is a, also a very well-established, well-known uh, Latino comedian, but yeah. I think George Lopez has been around longer. And I'm trying yeah. to say that like, to me, he's like, the guy he's you know the because he's been at it for so long because he had the the sitcom he had the talk show and then he has the this new show and he's been around for so long and he's also not carlos mencia you know <laughs> so, carlos mencia had a moment oh, that guy. yeah 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 well there's a reason they called him uh carlos menstilia you know that's right that's right 
but in any case, so I thought that he was good. Uh, and I, I thought that uh, it added to the fun and the dynamic. Uh, you know, I think if I were to objectively try and quantify the the, the grandma character, you know, I might be like, eh. but it was funny in the moment, you know, that she has the big gun and she's like, oh, yeah, I'll tell you about the revolution sometime. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. There I don't know, something like that could have bothered me in a different movie, but in this movie, I felt like it was very tongue-in-cheek. It was fun. Yeah. You know, it's almost like, it, it, you know, we'll just talk about the first Ant-Man movie, but in the first Ant-Man movie, everything, it's like, well, it's kind of fun. It's kind of silly. So, yeah, that might not work in an Iron Man movie, but it does, and you know what I mean? So there's right. things in this that if it were in an actual Batman movie, you'd be like, yeah, I don't know about that. But, it's true. I thought there was a lot of movies like that uh in movies a lot of moments like that where i was genuinely feeling like i was like this is like not this is all technically like in the writing process like pretty paint by numbers in terms of superhero movies or certain things or like the bad guy and the plot and some of this stuff but i was like i what i really enjoyed about this movie more than many of the last dc movies was it was just it did feel fresh i think because of the family because of the different uh background for the character because it was unique yeah, you're like this. I I like this now. You know, like this is fine. The grandma with the gun is like very silly, and we don't really get that much information as opposed as otherwise her saying like death to imperialists and stuff. And you're like, oh, that's right. She was like a rebel fighter, and uh, but uh, it it's just one of those things where you're kind of just like, it's fine. Like I do I want to blow this whole thing up over these little things, or do I want to just enjoy myself? And uh, I think it was more enjoyable than not. Right, exactly. And uh, jumping into the fray now, uh, listed on screen as uh, uh, Escarabajo Azul, uh, which I, I know Azul is uh, blue. Uh, the Blue Beetle himself. Uh, uh, and he's got Pepe. his, uh, for, for our audio audience, he's got his Boston Red Sox hat on so I can say, Jeff DeRay, how are you? I'm wicked good. Wicked pisser this morning. Yeah, and uh, we're just sort of uh, going Third through afternoon. a little bit of our experience, uh, checking out uh, Blue Beetle, and uh, we will, of course, uh, talk to Jeff about uh, some of his thoughts. Uh, I wanted to uh, share with our visual audience uh, a little bit about uh, the, the afternoon leading up to that, so our visual audience can see this, and uh, I'll post it on my Instagram at ChristianDMZ for everybody else. We did drive by... Uh, geeky teasing games here in Burbank, uh, where they do have a TARDIS out front, but, uh, Will, uh, there's a, you know, it's exciting if the blue box ever pops into your life, but, uh, if the brown box shows up uh, a little bit less exciting, do you think that's fair to say? Uh, I mean, it depends on how badly you need it. Right. I mean, look, either way you go through that door, you're about to go on an adventure. It's yeah. just, uh, one of them will be way more entertaining. So there was a porta potty. Uh, right next to the TARDIS outside of there. And uh, yes, I did indeed post on social media. Uh, Will, what I left in the blue, <laughs> sorry. Will, what I left in the brown box was bigger on the outside as well. Uh, so, yes. You know, it's a little, <laughs> little, little fun there. Little, little poop humor uh, for the kids. And uh, I've got kids and they enjoy a uh, poop humor. And then we also uh, paid homage to the Dark Knight himself. Which I, yeah. uh, there is... Uh, and the, the last time that Will came over to uh, Burbank to see a movie that wasn't there yet. Jeff, had you seen the, uh, I don't know if it was there before you moved. I think it's newer than that, but there's a yeah. Batman statue outside of the theater now in Burbank. 
did not have that before. I feel like there was like a globe fountain there before or something like right. that. If I'm, is that at the bottom of the steps? Uh, yeah, it's uh, on the way to the to the. I was going to call it the yard house, but because you're coming to us as our Boston representative, the yard house. Yard house. Uh, and then uh, also I could do a different accent. Our pal Raging Rhino, uh, popping in on his lunch break, uh, to uh, tell us about the movie. And uh, Raging Rhino, I know you've got uh, limited time. Of course, your real name is John Nolan, but mm -hmm. people know you as the Raging Rhino. So um, I'll, I'll ask you first, Nolan. let me know uh, about how much time you have, John. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to get you in trouble with, uh, with, with the boss, you know, so we got, uh, roughly 20 minutes. Okay, perfect. So uh, <laughs> I'll say goodbye to everybody else. No, no. So let's uh, start with you and I'll ask Jeff <laughs> the same thing after I ask you, uh, you know, Will and I started off talking a little bit about uh, the character and expectations heading into the movie. So uh, mm -hmm. tell me what you were expecting from this and then what you thought of the movie, just sort of big picture on the whole, John. Okay. Uh, well, um, really not expecting all that much just because Blue Beetle is, you know, uh, really more of a C-list character. Um, so um, all I wanted was just for them to be true to the, uh, the character, you know, um, have some fun with it. And that's exactly what they did. I've never yep. heard of a yes list character. A, a, a yes list? Yes, yeah, C list. <laughs> oh, <so. laughs> come on, Ivan Soto. You know that was a good joke. Uh, 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 that was a good one. Character. That was a good one. Uh, yeah, and look, I mean, I think that uh, you know we don't have to run through all of them, but when you think about how enjoyable some of the characters in like the Suicide Squad or even some of the Marvel on-screen stuff we've gotten, sometimes those little deeper pulls are better because they're or not better, but they're unique and they're fresher in, mm -hmm. in a way, you know, that, uh, that it can be fun. Jeff, uh, what did you think of this movie and did you have any connection to the character uh, heading into it? I've seen Jaime in like cartoon DC stuff before. So I'm familiar with the character in that sense. Uh, it was fun. I mean, it kind of knew what it was doing. It wasn't great. It wasn't like trying to do anything revolutionary. It was just trying to have like a fun romp with a character that people probably have never seen before. So I thought it was enjoyable if it was just trying to be that because I'm not sure if it was trying to lead into more things. I know they had some post credits. I'm not sure because I haven't read anything about what the future of this character is, but it was definitely fun for what it was. Yeah, I mean, the uh, it's always good. I mean, in this day and age, we need post-credit stuff. But uh, according to Forbes, this was the uh, lowest opening for a DCEU uh, film. And uh, actually, I think it, it, it was... Worse than Birds maybe, of Prey? Uh, yes, it was worse than Birds of Prey. It might actually not have been worse, but it was. Uh, it's one of the worst. I think Wonder Woman 84 was listed as worse, but you have to remember... That was, that's yeah. like peak pandemic yeah. release. It's also yeah. a terrible, terrible movie, but <laughs> that doesn't mean anything about, you know, terrible movies make a lot of money all the time. You know, I think that that's, that's fair. Uh, so it didn't do well. Uh, so, you know, we will, I guess we will have to see whether or not we get any more of the character, you know, and we can talk a little bit more about that later. Um, what do you think worked the most? I'll ask you first, uh, Will. What do you think were the best qualities of this movie? Uh, 
that it didn't try to be bigger in scale than it needed to. I appreciate a superhero or an action movie where the third act is just one person versus one person, as opposed to like buildings falling down, entire universes collapsing in on themselves. I was like, I this makes me feel like a kid watching a superhero movie in the 90s, which I really enjoy. And they shot a lot of great like plate shots where they inserted him flying over real shots of like water and stuff. The environments didn't feel overly CG. The effects look good. I genuinely believe that it looks the best out of the past like four DC movies. The suit looked great and fit it fit like perfectly into the film itself. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think just overall it had this this feeling of nostalgia. I think the music had sort of a synth late 80s, early 90s throwback kind of vibe. The sort of neon blue and pink like lettering styling the kind of miami lean there was a lot of little details that i i found myself what i liked the most was that i could feel that the director was a competent director and not just like a studio hire making a superhero movie who had something to put on it and say uh and that it was well put together well shot and i wasn't staring for 30 minutes at a time it completely digitally rendered scenes and backgrounds yeah, I think that uh, we've definitely had uh, far too much of that uh, lately. Uh, John, I want to ask you the same question, really. What do you feel like were the, the best things that worked for you the most in this movie? Um, I think the, uh, the certainly the charm of the the characters, um, especially Jaime. He, he was uh, you know, pitch perfect, uh, you know, from the from the comic book. Uh, you know, you know the, everybody in the family had their you know, little moment at least one little moment to, to kind of shine and, and show off their, their, their uniqueness. Um, the, the whole family support aspect is not something you normally see in a superhero movie. You know, they, they normally you see, uh, you know, they, they're trying to hide their identity from their family and you know, because they feel they need to protect them. But this, you know, the family sees him transforming into this new character, this new superhero. And as crazy as it is and as panicked as they are, you know, within a, a little bit of time, you know, oh, they've accepted it. Okay, let's roll on and let's support Jaime however we can. Uh, so I, I really appreciated that. Um, and also uh, the the, uh, the climax of the movie, the, the big battle at the very end. Um, of course, nobody, anybody, nobody would, would have thought that Jaime was going to kill Carabax. That was never going to happen. But I do love the fact that they take a moment and, the, and the, the Scarab says, I was able to access his memories. And you see just all the brutality that that character endured, you know, the being you know, a pawn and, and basically a science experiment for Victoria and, and his growing up in, in a war zone and all the atrocities that he had to endure. I, that just, that was just so gut-wrenching and it gave the the character an entirely new dimension that you that you you see of him and i really appreciated that because we don't see that a lot out of the villains uh you know from 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 really any superhero movie yeah i think that uh it, it's a great point because it gives us the backstory of the villain you know and the importance of family and the inclusion of jaime's family and uh, that was one of the things that uh, Will, you and I were uh, talking about uh, after the movie, that it had uh, kind of the most important representation in any Fast and Furious film, right? There was, yes. uh, it yeah. was all about family, wasn't it? Right. Yep. 
And uh, I think that even if it's not part of the DC extended universe in the future, it can be part. Of, they can easily retcon it into the Fast and Furious universe. No, it's not hard. <laughs> he just he just shows up in the suit and Fast I mean, Twelve. They already yeah. went to space. They've done a lot of things that there's really no reason that this couldn't be a Fast and Furious. Yeah, movie. yeah, and and you know, Dom and George Lopez's character probably work <laughs> together at some point. You know, I love exactly. the scene where Jaime loses his pink slip to the scarab to Vin Diesel. <laughs> And Vin Diesel goes, doesn't matter if it was by a mile or an inch, wins the win. <laughs> um, well, uh, John, because I know you've got limited time, uh, I yeah. do want to uh, steer it towards, uh, in general, I think it's it's easier to kind of shrug off anything uh, when Will and I were first talking. This is a movie where grandma with the big gun is kind of like it works in this movie, but uh, mm -hmm. in other movies, it might have been like, nah, I don't know about that. That might be that might be a bit much. Um, but were there things that you were just like, OK, this really didn't work for me? Uh, Will had said he would have liked a little bit more Ted Cord Blue Beetle. Apparently they were saving it for the sequel which is why i always say never save it for the sequel because <laughs> you might not get there uh what do you think didn't work for you john you know it's funny that you mentioned the grandmother because that scene that was like the creepiest part of the movie for me uh the, the, just the um the mania in her eyes that she's gunning down the bad guys um and i, I thought it, it was really it was really strange here, here we are have this this character Jaime, who's like, no, there's no killing. You know, the whole idea is it's a you know family, and you know we're we're going to do the right thing. And then Grandma mows down the bad guys. <laughs> Sometimes there needs to be killing. Yeah, says Grandma. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, and then of course the Uncle also uses the bug to impale another guy and yeah. just kind of shake it off. <laughs> so uh, it was a little against the whole message that they were trying to give. But yeah, that that's uh, relatively minor compared to. You know, to other flaws that I've seen in movies like, you know, horrible CGI in the last DC. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Will, Will, uh, Will was in Europe when we talked about Flash and, uh, you know, Will and I were talking on the drive about just those, those cartoon looking baby, like the baby in Roger Rabbit looked more convincing than the babies <laughs> in, uh, yep. in, in Flash. Um, Jeff, what was it for you? Is there, was there anything significant that you were like, okay, this really didn't work for me? And were you able to shrug it off or were you driving home, you know, with your popcorn refill on your lap while you're driving and just being like, man, if I didn't have this delicious popcorn, I might be angry right now. Well, I mean, so I didn't get to say what worked for me, but what didn't, I mean, interestingly, so I said it's fun and I had fun, but there's a lot that didn't work with this movie. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like I had a, interestingly opposite reactions to things as Raging Rhino. I thought that the going back into Carapax's backstory was one of the cheap scenes that they had. And they had a bunch of them where it was just like, eh, setting this up is hard. Let's just jump to some quick exposition. Uh, like a sim same thing with the ending when it's just like, oh, the neighborhood who we've seen in zero other scenes or you have any connection <laughs> with is all here. And now they're your friends. That's cool. Um, just little, uh, oh, police force has shown up and nobody's filming with their camera phones on social media, which absolutely would go viral and be a huge problem for this company. Just little things like that, where it was just like, oh, you, you didn't really want to fully flesh this out, did you? Um, I liked the grandma with the gun. I thought she was an interesting backstory because she was kind of the other side of Carapax, right? Like she was another revolutionary like he was, but it was just like, 
this innocent granny. The one problem that they had, they really, really just needed to cut the scene where she tries to move with the gun because all the other scenes are great. But that one moment where she's trying to like waddle with the gun in the hallway, it's like, oh, clearly she can't actually hold that. We should have cut that part. <laughs> it's just little things like that bugged me with this movie where it was like, it almost could have been from fun to like a really good movie if they had actually really been able to flesh some of these relationships and other things out. I think it had more potential than it delivered on even. Right. No, I, I, I can see that. And, and uh, you're right. That uh, was bad hosting on whoever the idiot is who hosts this show. Uh, I, I would also like you to uh, talk about what worked the most for you. <laughs> <in this film. laughs> uh, I really liked timing. I thought I can't, pronounce that guy's name because i haven't looked it up enough holo jolo so jolo i he has never been a great actor but the one thing that i think he does really really well is that like i care i'm empathetic like oh i really care so all those scenes where he's been like oh my god are you all right i bought it and i thought he portrayed that in a really good way and so i think that worked for me the best was like i bought into jaime's empathy for everybody around him i think he's uh, phenomenal i've never seen him in anything else as far as i know i don't know what i would know him cobra from, kai but... cobra kai yeah okay i i, I yeah. saw the Miguel. first episode of cobra kai and i'm like oh i like it but i also get it so uh i it's not even like i'm never gonna watch it i was just uh i wasn't moved to keep going you know i need more i need more daniel son <laughs> that's that's really what i'm looking for um uh, uh, so John, before I let you go, I did want to, uh, follow through on something I alluded to earlier. So the ranking, oh, yeah. it is the second lowest, uh, opening for a DCEU movie and, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 released in December of 2020 is the lowest, but I mean, there should it's be an enormous low. asterisk next to that because December, 2020, I mean, my wife and I had to go see it at the drive-in because movie theaters were not open in, in Southern California and we were so excited. And then after it was over, I was like, well, at least the popcorn was good. But so right there, you know, I mean, look, 25 and almost a half million. Uh, it's, you know, it's basically it's, it didn't embarrass itself, but it, it is fairly low. And the suicide squad I think is also, kind of tempered because that was like yeah. that first, yeah. you know, COVID summer where theaters were open, but people still weren't going and you could but also stream it on, on max. Mm -hmm. uh, that Shazam fury of the gods box office uh, should jump out at everybody, but look, but look where of birds those... of prey is Jeff birds of prey is way up there. Well, that was going to say one I'm validated because outside of like post or during the pandemic, it was the worst opening before blue beetle. And uh like, yeah, I mean, it, it's $20 million less than Shazam, uh, yeah. Birds of Prey. So, yeah, you're you're not too far off. Yeah, that's yeah the, the point that I'll make for Birds of Prey, it's February 2020, so it's pre-pandemic. But anyway, sorry, what were you going to say, Jeff? Well, I was going to say, Birds of Prey had a similar issue to this, which was, and I remember having a debate with somebody who, because they posted an article that was like, it's toxic men's fault that Birds of Prey didn't make more money. And I'm like, oh, what a horrible take. It was a bad movie, and the person who posted this hadn't seen the movie. And I was just kind of like, oh, you really want to do one of those instead of, like, having an informed opinion or, like, know what you're talking about? And the point I made to that was, who of regular people that, that aren't, like, fans of comic books or superheroes has ever heard of any of the characters in Birds of Prey? Blue Beetle has the same problem. These are not characters that anybody knows or cares about 
outside of like a kind of more niche group. So of course they're you can't expect them to have these big box offices if they're not excellent movies. Like the only reason Guardians of the Galaxy worked the way it did was because it was actually a great movie that delivered. So it could thrive on word of mouth. Whereas these can't because they're both like not great characters and not great movies. I think it's smart to have it I said, go ahead, Will. Go ahead. With Birds of Prey, I mean, they were really leaning on and hoping that Harley Quinn was going to be the selling point and the driving force for that movie, considering the success of the first Suicide Squad movie. And I, I, I mean, it. Uh, she is not part of the Birds of Prey, which was always my fundamental problem with that movie. Uh, yeah. By the way, just have, have, as been, as, I mean, as you're I mean, saying this, uh, Ivan Soto says it wasn't Birds of Prey; it was Harley Quinn. So to him, it wasn't even yeah, really right. Birds of Prey. Yeah, yeah. So you even insulted the people who would have been your fans. <laughs> That's the thing is, I love the Birds of Prey so much, and I was like, "Well." I'll, we'll check this out, I guess. That's also written by Christina Hudson, who also wrote The Flash, and she was getting, I don't know, she, she, maybe she's still getting these gigs, but I was sort of like, I'm curious to see what she does on The Flash. Was it her? Is it this? And I'm like, just from a writing standpoint, uh, it it did not seem to be too concerned with the source material. Uh, and I think that can hurt a movie. Surprising. I don't think the studios are aware of that, but it, but it definitely can. Yeah. Uh, well, shout out to uh, Forbes for providing us with that uh, that list. And uh, of course, uh, number one is Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. That is still the biggest opening. The thing that surprised me was that the the original uh, Suicide Squad was the second biggest. I would have thought yeah. maybe Wonder Woman, maybe Man of Steel. I mean, look, those are top five. Aquaman's number six. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, Black Adam, uh, really, of this latest batch of DC movies, Will and I were talking, and we both agree, and uh, uh, I know we have to let you go in a second, John, so I'll ask you the same thing. Of the the recent DC movies, uh, for me, Black Adam was the best one. Uh, you know, just top to bottom, most enjoyable. And I'm not a huge Dwayne The Rock Johnson fan, but uh, I, I think I liked that one the best. What do you think, uh, John, before we let you go? In terms of um, I, the recent spate of DC movies, yeah, I, I I think I would go with Blue Beetle, but that that might also be because I actually like the character to begin with. Sure, uh, Black Adam. While I like it, I'm not much of a Black Adam fan. He's not a very likable character, and 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 Dwayne Johnson did everything he could to to you know try to make him so you know make him likable, but he just yeah. barely, if any, you know got got across the line on that. Um, but yeah, I, I would have to go with Blue Beetle. And well, really, yeah. well, John, I know you have to get back to work, but uh, yeah. anytime you want to pop in from uh, your car, you can be our vehicular <laughs> correspondent. Uh, we've talked about Raging Rhino podcast. Uh, tell people where they can find it and uh, what you've been talking about over there recently. Uh, well, RagingRhinoPodcast.com. And of course, on Twitter at RagingRhinoPod. Uh, and um now, of course, I started off when it, when the podcast began, what, 12, 13 years ago, it was primarily political. I've gotten so sick of politics, I'm looking for any excuse not to talk about it. So this month, I'm, of course, doing a Blue Beetle review, uh, and then hopefully I'll come up with something else to talk about next month. You, has nothing to do you, with you don't want to talk yeah. about Wednesday night's uh, GOP debate in Wisconsin? <laughs> you don't you don't want to talk about uh, Trump sit down with Tucker? You don't you don't want to you don't want to spend the time even watching those things, let alone uh, let alone uh, talking hey, about them. 
I, you know, I, I'm so tired of cleaning myself up from watching shit storms that I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I'm going to take that uh, quote out of context and uh, apply it uh, to uh, to the Flash. No, I, which I know you mostly like the Flash. Yeah, and John, you always uh, you always do a great uh, deep dive over there uh, about mm -hmm. uh, you know on screen DC characters and uh, your love of the comic book versions. Uh, we appreciate you making the time uh, for us at Raging Rhino Pod on X. Uh, but don't look for him on Instagram, as I found out uh, when I messaged you earlier. But uh, he's on X, and mm -hmm. X going to give it to you. Thank you so much, John, for uh, making the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Wait. <laughs> okay. I, what was that? Before I forget, you guys are ever in, in South Texas, San Antonio. Give me a call. Drinks are on me. All right. Uh, Will, yeah, Will's, uh, Will's taking San a Antonio. break from drinking, so I'm going to drink all of Will's drinks and my drinks. So. Uh, that, absolutely, fair. and uh, yeah, if too. you're if you're ever in uh, Southern California, we might share our popcorn refill with you, uh, John. So, <laughs> Sounds good. all right, great to talk to you, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say goodbye for real. So, <laughs> all right, bye for now. Oh my gosh, I'm glad he was able to uh, join in. I know how how excited he gets, and uh, I I meant to ask him how many more times he was gonna see this movie, but I knew he had to get back to work because I'm I'm mentioning that just to remind everyone in the audience that he did see the Whedon cut of Justice League uh, seven times in the theater, and then I believe he's seen the Snyder cut four times. So the last time uh, John was on our Flash episode, and uh, we added up however many hours that is. So it's probably, so it's like 14 hours plus 16. Hours. So yeah, he spent 30 hours watching Justice League, and he might be done for at least a while uh, after yeah. those 30 hours of Justice League. I still haven't seen Flash. I'm just waiting for that shit to come out on Max, because I'm just like, it's going to. I, it I'm surprised to. it's not on Max yet. You're right, because uh, you know, but I, I bet uh, once the fall it, rolls around. Probably like maybe. today it already has. Last time I talked about something, it had come out that day with Super <laughs> Mario Brothers. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I would oh, be surprised. Wait, you mean this? Yep. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying, Will? Listen, they want they need to recoup money for Flash, so it's gonna <laughs> be it's gonna be it's gonna cost money to watch that movie until like the fall for sure. They they should do like a you know like sort of almost like pop up video version of it where like they put like. It was, it, no, it's actually more like Fight Club when he looks at his apartment and he shows like the Ikea catalog, what everything costs, basically just how much they spent on each effect. And then you can be like, oh, the babies, they only spent this much. But yeah. look at this Speed Force stuff. They spent that much more. You know, so then you can be like, oh, yeah, no wonder it all it all makes sense. Well, I'll be interested uh, when you uh, finally get the chance to see it. But I had uh, no familiarity with this character uh ahead of this i'd heard the name blue beetle but i think i confused him with other characters you know um there's like a a classic uh charlton if our pal jeff winstead was here right now he'd tell me who i'm thinking of blue something um maybe that's even an earlier blue beetle i i don't i don't even actually know so i i think i didn't even like the the suits that are in like the the the, the cord cave i don't know what we call that the beetle yeah. lair i'd seen those suits before because yeah. is is blue beetle that version of blue beetle is he in crisis i mean i read that so i feel like i maybe i saw him but uh do, do either of you guys maybe know? i i didn't really even learn about like the original blue beetle until uh, I'm trying to remember. There are all these crises have such similar names, and I'm trying to remember which the significant Jeff Johns one that was like in the mid aughts, 2004 or five. 
when the new Blue Beetle got introduced. But he was definitely not something that they acknowledged for a long time. And then I think once they created the new version of Blue Beetle, they were like, well, we should probably talk about him a little bit just so people know that it's uh, it's pulling from an existing yeah. character. And by the way, Blue Beetle, I think uh, I, I'm sharing an image of a, a very golden age era look of Blue Beetle. He yeah. actually is one of those characters that he either went into public domain or DC bought it from Charlton. Uh, Jeff Winstead has a very deep background on this character to the extent okay. that he was able to use a version of the character in uh, in his comic, The Alternate, because oh, it was well. in the public domain. So I okay. think that there's... A, a specific version of it that you're able to use uh, for some reason. So uh, I'll, I'll try and uh, tidy up uh, the background on that at some point. But I was, of course, uh, you know, I, I, I was thinking of the the Brown Hornet, but then I remember that that was the show that they would watch on Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. So <laughs> this was not a Brown Hornet movie. And, you know, unfortunately, for reasons I can't quite think of, I don't think we're ever going to get a Brown Hornet movie. But um, uh, and, I wish, uh, you know, you never know. <laughs> That's true. Never give up hope. You do sure. never know. What's that? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And uh, so uh, uh, Ivan said is pointing out, I think that uh, that's Dan Garrett's Blue Beetle. So, yeah, there's there's different versions uh, all across the board. But in general, I would say that the movie was fun and there wasn't a lot that took me out of it. Uh, it was before you popped in Jeff, but I was saying that like in, in a, it, it's like how in Ant-Man there's things you can shrug off because it's not the ser the serious version of the character. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like in, in the comics, uh, She-Hulk would like talk to the reader. So things could happen sometimes. And you're like, well, if this happened in, in this book or if this happened in that movie, it might bother me. But, uh, until you said it, I hadn't really thought that, yeah, if they, it, it, it would have been better if she wasn't trying to move with that big gun, you know, it was just one of those like, yeah, don't worry there's, about it. There's uh, a bunch of little problems with the movie. The sister character annoyed the fuck out of me because like she existed in this movie just to be a heel and ruin things and then had yeah. no redeeming qualities. It was kind of like, you got to give her something because you've just made her annoying the whole movie start to finish. Like, there was no point where she wasn't being annoying. Um, it, it, there was some things in it where it's like, I think it's awesome that it's, you know, we're getting not just like, white batman white superman white wonder woman for white superheroes you got like the real his uh, latino whatever uh hispanic stuff going on in this movie which is great but then there's just certain scenes that was just like i don't i don't know that we needed this like the sanchez joke calling uh harvey guillon or whatever his name is sanchez over and over again i was just like it just, I don't know. We get that she doesn't care about people, but she can pronounce Carapax, but can't say, like, she just calls him Sanchez instead. What, what I forget what his last name was. It was something real uh, basic, too. Yeah, like Ruiz no, or something, where it was just like, okay. I, it just, that that was just a weird joke. And then that character just being a giant pussy until he dies is just like, okay. I, it was just weird, because I love that guy. He's in um, What We Do in the Shadows. He plays Guillermo, and he's hilarious. Okay, he's I, didn't, yeah, I didn't know who he was. Um, what I will say is that I think they did a pretty good job with uh, with Susan Sarandon's character in the fact 
that it's way too broad, way overdrawn. But I did not like her to the extent that I actually forgot about her <laughs> in Rocky Horror Picture Show walking around most of the movie in her underwear. I didn't even think of it once. So they did a good job <laughs> separating her from uh, that version of the character. Um, what do you think about uh, not just Susan Sarandon in her underwear in 1974, Will, but uh, what do you think about, uh, you know, does it work in the context of this movie to have the big broad, and I don't mean broad as in the female sense, but in terms of written, you know, the, the very grand overwritten, possibly, you know, comic booky villain. How did that work for you? That was one of the clone gear things. I think she, when I talk about some paint by numbers moments, that was pretty much like that character and her like performance and the writing like felt AI generated. You know what I mean? I was like, that's what okay. they just entered into the the prompt to be like, so what could a bad guy do? Uh, evil yeah. megalomaniac, like billionaire creates super army prototype and uses it to maybe take over the world. I don't want to get too in the weeds on like government oversight when it comes to superhero movies, but like the stuff that she was doing, I was like, so nobody checks her ever. Like she's able to do whatever she wants with zero. She can send a helicopter full of soldiers to a family's house and try to murder them. And people are like, I mean, I guess this is fine. She has a whole like castle warehouse of these things create now that being a secret i could see being like oh she and didn't that tell and 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 that was uh seemingly off u.s soil you know i think mm -hmm. that uh they they made the point that it was it, it was, was in cuba. cuba it was bought from yeah. batista right. yeah but uh the fact that i i agree with what you're saying will but uh clearly there's a faction of the u.s military that she's in good with because there was that party where you know the this sort of like cartoon version of uh, James Rhodes shows yeah. up like, well, can't wait to see that new technology. Uh, can't yeah, wait. Yeah. You know? But yeah. I, I agree. It, it's, it, there is that question of like, boy, they can really do anything. Hey, rich people can do anything they want. Can't they? Right. What were you Her say motivations that? were really confusing too. Like to go back to the whole Sanchez point, we, the motivations that I, interpreted from watching the movie where she wasn't given her due she helped build this company with the the grandfather patriarch who gave it to the brother and that really pissed her off and made her feel like she wasn't seen and all these things and yet her character goes around not seeing people it's just weird that this person who's like seemingly main motivation is that they haven't gotten credit for what they've done in their life doesn't want to give anybody else credit or acknowledge them as people it's just a weird motivation it just seems like once again this is one of those things that's not properly fleshed out of like okay so what does she want to be acknowledged for doing something great is she just motivated by money because again it's like she's doing over-the-top vindictive stuff that wouldn't be profitable but then she's and she's trying to do stuff to like prove her worth but then she treats everybody else around her as like disposable and not worth it which is like if you're being treated as like disposable and not worth it why would you treat like there's a version where it's like oh it makes sense to treat everyone else that way but they never gave us her reason for passing it on they just were like she was ignored and now she ignores other people because she's a bitchy white lady well, yeah, she only treats white people the way she wants to be treated, I think. is. Uh, but what, is what white people did she treat well? I mean, she doesn't interact with any in kind of the whole movie. So, <laughs> you know, uh, 
And uh, yeah, I'm glad that they uh, they established Jenny Cord being, I think they said Brazilian because she clearly wasn't Mexican, but she wasn't uh, she wasn't white. I, I wasn't actually sure. And I I didn't spend that much time thinking about it, but I was also like, hmm, what is what is her background? You know, um, and I do have to echo what you said about uh, the sister character, um, even though I uh, made a very similar shit joke uh, earlier in this podcast uh, about it uh, being bigger on the outside. Uh, it, it was just like that moment where she's like, oh, man, I took a great shit. Uh Oh, I shouldn't say that at work. Uh, that that was like, you know. It was a moment that uh, didn't linger with me, but now that we're talking about things that didn't work, I didn't love that character. I'm I kind of I liked when she got the sort of the fist, you know, the like whatever the laser fist punching thing that like you know gave her something to do. Um, and uh, Will, I know you need to leave uh, in a little bit. You have to uh, let me know uh, when. But uh, TL Stock commented on something we were talking about much earlier said drunk and said something inappropriate. I've done that. Give him a pass. So you see, you're making friends and influencing people. That's right. Um, yeah. So, um, but uh, just, uh, yeah, you could, <laughs> I was going to say, you can text me when you need to leave, or you could just say now what time it is that you're going to need to go. It's fine. Uh, I should be trying to head out the door about 1045. Okay. That's perfect. That's Pacific time, everybody. So, uh, and uh, I, I will also uh, share the picture that uh, I texted this to Jeff uh, from the movie theater. But uh, you can see the importance <laughs> is, of course, the popcorn bucket. And uh, Will, you were the beneficiary of my refill. That's right. those, those boys look like they're having some fun, don't they? Uh, a big <laughs> night, uh, a big uh, afternoon uh, out at the out at the movies, uh, as it were. And uh, Jeff, I have to ask, what was the uh, snack situation for you for this film? Oh, I got myself a bucket of popcorn and a uh, big old drink. I just I went and saw it last night and it, at like 945. So there wasn't very many people in the theater. And it was like I walked in and the guys at the concession were just kind of like, oh, you want something? It's like, yep, I'm the <laughs> only one here. So please get me my damn popcorn. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. And, 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 and uh, you know, I'll, I'll wait for the fresh pop. Don't, uh, you know, don't scrape the bottom of, of that bin. Uh, were you able to see it in what they call large format, uh, Jeff? We saw it in IMAX. As uh, we've talked about on the podcast a number of times, my favorite way to see a movie, IMAX 2D. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't love 3D. Uh, but uh, IMAX 2D is my favorite way to see a movie. Uh, what kind of uh, what kind of screen did you get? I saw it on a normal screen, like a regular theater experience. They originally, so the the theater I went to was a Regal. They've got a oh, Regal yeah. close by me, and they've got this thing called RPX, which I don't know. It's like a premium experience. I don't know if it's just going to be one of those like you can get booze in the theater, or if it's going to be the advanced screen and sound and stuff. I haven't got made an rpx showing yet i thought i was going to get to see one last night because originally there was a 955 rpx showing of it but then when i went to get my tickets there was only a 945 regular showing and i was like ah, yeah what's so what's that uh i think maybe will when we saw the batman did we see that that was at cinemark but it was like they have some kind of like dx or i don't know there's all these things that don't really mean yeah. anything you know but they try to be like doesn't it sound cool and i'm like yeah it does actually sound pretty cool it's louder yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it it was. I think it was one of those. Yeah. Why did we see but, it? Though? 
uh, because uh, you were living in Long Beach and it was uh, oh. it was kind of in the middle, you know, That's now. Right. Now in the middle is, uh, well, Malcolm. But in addition to that, uh, the middle is uh, a little bit uh, easier to, to meet in, except, you know, the perfect place for us would be if the uh, Arclight Hollywood reopened. I would say that that's pretty firmly in the middle between the two that's of true. us, but uh, still closed. I'd love to see something in the Cinerama Dome, though. So, um, um, yeah. Then there's no passes. Uh, you can't get a free ticket. What's that? You've got the AMC, you know, you can get yeah. a free pass for yourself. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of why I don't go anywhere else. I, uh, I, I have, I, like our pal Dominica Saxon, I do have the A list. Uh, I'm on the A list. Everybody knew that. And uh, yeah, Matt R uh, jumps in and points out that it was a popcorn party all around. Uh, yes. Yes, it was. Because, if, you know, if I'm seeing a movie without popcorn, um, I, I've probably made a mistake at some point. You know, there are movies that are not your typical popcorn movie. That doesn't mean I don't want to eat popcorn during it anyway. You know, I like what, I what would not be a popcorn movie for you? Schindler's List. I saw it in the theater. I didn't get any snacks. So okay. I felt like I shouldn't be crunching while people were watching it. And it's not that no one got snacks. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to be part of that. You know, so uh, you didn't think I had an answer, did you? <laughs> well, I, was, I was curious what you know was something more recent. I would like to go back to see Oppenheimer and then during the atomic explosion when it's just breaths, just like cram as much popcorn in my mouth to be as loud as possible. That is what was happening for me. There was a person who like, I think what they felt was they were like, I'm going to save my popcorn for the big movie moment, except no, they didn't know that the big moment was mostly quiet. So I just hear over my shoulder, like, and I was like, Oh my fucking God, you waited for this moment. And now, and after a second, like that happened for maybe about two minutes and then they stopped. Either somebody told them to knock it off or they understood that it was just not so appropriate. It, it was, it was basically, uh, to, uh, we're, we're having, uh, two Holocaust references in the same uh, minute, but, uh, well, uh, to me, the possibly the greatest uh, Family Guy cutaway of the entire run of the series. And to be fair, I haven't seen most of like the last eight years. But anyway, was uh, Peter was like, "Nah, this isn't the first time my eating's gotten me in trouble. And you see uh, Anne Frank and her family in the attic and they're running and they're hiding. And you can hear the Nazis downstairs. And Peter has a bag of potato chips and he's just eating it really loudly. And he's just staring straight ahead and he's eating. And, you know, obviously they they hear them and they come upstairs because Peter is eating chips. So it's basically I'm envisioning that <laughs> envisioning Peter Griffin. Uh, yeah. there. Uh, Dominicus Saxon with an interesting point. Um, I'm surprised Christian didn't keep his older buckets. I have them put my refills in those. Now, look, I'm not going to lie and say I've never thought about that. Um, I might sometimes have a, uh, a fountain soda cup in my car from earlier in the day or possibly even the day before. And I might pop into an establishment and grab a refill instead of paying for one. I'll tell you that right now. But I can't imagine walking in with an empty popcorn container. Uh, I, first of all, I don't know how. Um, Jeff, have you ever considered this or perhaps actually accomplished it? I can't say that I have. I, I feel like it would kind of say something about me if I was at the point of like bringing an old bucket and being like, please refill my original Jurassic park three collector's edition bucket. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the you... phantom with Billy Zane, but that. <laughs> <laughs> 
How about oh, man, we're, the 1998 version of Lost in Space Advanced Screening? <laughs> yes. I mean, I guess uh, if it's one of those commemorative edition ones, I, I can almost see it. But like the the ones that we get at AMC, I mean, it's basically like really flimsy cardboard and it's kind of designed like I'll, you know, I'll get a refill of my drink and put it in the fridge. A lot of times the next day you look at the bottom of that cup and you're like, Oh, this is not designed for the long haul. Is it? It's like started to get really thin. So anyway, uh, I, I don't know if that's uh, oh, okay. Wait. So Dominicus Saxon is saying, uh, I pay for the new bucket, but the free refill I get with it goes in the older okay. bucket. I pay my way. And then does he throw away the old bucket at the end of the movie so that the new bucket becomes the old bucket for the next movie? Right, but then the new bucket is unsoiled, and then you can bring the new bucket. Oh my gosh! All right, we're 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 finding it all out now. Well, then, yeah. What's the um, point of buying the special collector's bucket if you're not going to reuse it? it? It's it's designed to hold a bucket of popcorn. I guess they think that you put your popcorn in it at home, but it, ideally, you're bringing it back to the theater to reuse reduce recycle you know like it's uh, it's all well, should be all part of the plan because we're spending so much time on popcorn uh means that the movie was good but you know not amazing uh, we, we've spent a lot of time on popcorn and will <laughs> i do know that you need to go uh jeff and i will wind things down momentarily but uh is there any final thoughts uh we have one entry in the old guard dceu still to come aquaman 2 uh, oh, yeah. and how excited, uh, can you let yourself be for that? Uh, knowing that Amber turd is a uh, part of the cast. <laughs> um, considering that they're rebooting everything, it's the same feeling like with the flash where I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. uh, I, mm, uh, I was surprised how much I enjoyed the first Aquaman. So we'll see I, how I feel about it. I like Patrick also Wilson. You were uh, also you know, surprised no, at you were also surprised at how much uh, someone didn't appreciate the dialogue for the first Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, I believe uh, she and uh, Jeff are getting married very soon. <laughs> so uh, are, is do you think Natasha would be up for you taking her to see Aquaman 2 in December, Jeff? I'm sure she would go see it, but she'd <laughs> okay. probably still laugh at it. I know. I, I, I would want you to make notes of what she laughs at. Uh, I watched Aquaman too. It was called the Depp vs. Herd trial. <laughs> <laughs> they were both uh, underwater. <laughs> Will, uh, I'm we're going to let you go. Uh, Will's got uh, some, some work to get to. That was uh, part of the reason why we had the uh, odd start time for Breakfast with Blue Beetle here. Yes. Uh, Will, I know you're on X and Instagram at Will Sterling underscore and uh, let people know what's going on over at History Rated R these days. We're talking about the history of the papacy, the popes. Oh. It's a lot. There's a lot of it. It's many okay. parts. I didn't know how long it was going to be. Craig is very into this, these things. So it's like a five-part thing. I've started naming the new episodes installments, like the names of like other sequels or parts in a series. So right. today, I believe, is Papacy 3, Season of the Witch. Uh <laughs> Did you do a book of shadows? No, but I think I'm going to go back and change it now because we did yeah. do the history of the papacy part two. And now I can just do the papacy two book of shadows. Well, uh, or what I, about papacy two papal harder? <laughs> that's I, I can't wait for papacy four citizens on patrol. Uh, that's the one that uh, I want to see. And uh, of course uh, you can uh, include 
clips from the uh, the Ren and Stimpy uh, powdered toast man short where he saves the Pope and the Pope was voiced by Frank Zappa. Uh, just just flexing some useless trivia. Uh, and by the way, Dominicus Saxon says what we're all thinking. I love history rated R. Uh, I do too, but there's two episodes that I love the most and they're the two with me. Anyway, uh, I, uh, well, that's not what I wanted. Uh, we will, we'll talk more clips after we let Will go. Uh, okay. Will, we appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, checking out the movie with me and uh, we will talk again soon. Next time. Well, yeah, but uh, Jeff, Jeff and I are going to still talk. So yeah, that's his next time. Uh, all right. Uh, so, uh, Ivan Soto, I wanted to let Will go. You're talking about Book of Shadows from Charm. No, uh, the second Blair Witch movie is called Book it's Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows. So, on this show, many years ago, we instituted the fact that every sequel should be called Book of Shadows. Um, even Bridget Jones' Diary 2 should also be called Book of Shadows because, I mean, there were a lot of uh, shadows in there. Uh, and then Racist. Matt R jumps in with uh, Papacy 4, Tokyo drift and i don't even know what papacy five electric papacy is i mean uh i know electric boogaloo um but in any case uh so jeff uh we'll we'll wind things down in, in a moment here but uh, i think the summary for this movie before we dove into the popcorn talk was that you know this was good it was fun and it it definitely feels like a movie that you should put out in august at the end of the summer you know this wasn't this wasn't going to save the DCEU if Flash and Shazam 2 and even uh, even Black Adam had been huge hits. You know, maybe they could have built on the momentum. And then this is sort of like the afterthought. Like, don't you want to see all these characters interact? But it like this one exists in its own vacuum where if James Gunn and Peter Safran want to do anything with this character, they can but it also feels like it could just as easily be pushed to the side and be a complete standalone. Uh, what do you feel is uh, most likely to happen going forward for Blue Beetle? I think, well, look, money talks, right? Like the yeah. reason that we have so many franchises and extended universes instead of original content is because money, because the number crunchers believe they can make more money or have a better chance of getting the return on their investment for franchises than they can for original properties. So, you know, if that's the case, then who knows what's going to happen with this. But because it's not making money, I don't see them continuing to do it. It just it seems weird that your consistent issue has been poor receptions, not making money. You reboot your universe. And then one of the movies that's kind of like leading into that reboot is poorly received and doesn't make money. And you're like, let's keep it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, I think uh, one thing that we should talk about that I think uh, some of our uh, audience in, in different pockets of the country might not have thought about is I wonder what it could have done to help the box office to help that opening at least be bigger than Birds of Prey is if there weren't the uh, sag after strike. Obviously, there's the writer strike that's been going on for uh, 116 days now, and the Screen Actors Guild also on strike is a big part of that. You can't uh, promote what is essentially struck work. So you can't go on shows. You can't go on podcasts. You can't go on anything. And, you know, I am sure that uh, there was probably a big push. Uh, I... I, uh, as you can tell, just from looking at me, I go to the gym, uh, three to five days a week, depending on the week. 
Uh, this is a three day weaker, so I'm much happier. But uh, there's uh, Telemundo uh, or or Univision is one of the TVs, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of eyeballs. Uh, you can tell on the their version of like a Morning America the Today Show, the the Spanish language one. Mm-hmm. So. You know, if you could have done like, you know, a week, you have Jaime, you have George Lopez, you know, you have like all these people popping in. I think that could have helped. But then also, if you had your late night talk shows, you know, you you could have uh, you could have done some different things. You could have promoted this in some different ways. Maybe you could have done something big at Comic-Con, but we, I believe, already had the Screen Actors Guild strike at that point <clears throat> because a lot of the panels didn't happen. So. I think that this movie was going to probably perform about this much, but there might've been a little bit more juice to it. Uh, Do you think any of that could have helped Jeff or that this movie was kind of going to be what it is? And uh, it it makes sense to just kind of sneak it in between flash and Aquaman. This is definitely a movie that would have made more money with better marketing because from my understanding, almost every movie unless it's like some kind of powerhouse makes its money in that first weekend like that's your big big return and how do you get that by convincing a bunch of people for months leading up to the movie that you should go watch this movie and if you don't do that you're not going to get as big of that first weekend box office push because it's like basically i say this if like the quality of the movie doesn't matter in that first weekend because most of the time people going to see it in that first weekend aren't doing it based on word of mouth they're doing it because they wanted to go see that movie like they've Correct. been waiting yes. for the movie to come out so i'm saying like that being what it was it definitely could have made more money from that first weekend and who knows how much because again opening box offices can be huge i don't think this would have been like any kind of record setter or even close but it definitely could have done much better and been much higher up on that list of dc earners that said, we looked at all those movies at the bottom of the list. All were pandemic and post-pandemic. And look, and we all know how much the release model has changed. You've made it, you've incentivized people to pay for your streaming services to watch your movies, not go to the movies to watch your movies. Right. We're already paying you for this, along with all the other garbage content that you try to like throw at us with these different streamers. So, of course, I mean, as somebody who signs up or who has signed up for way too many of these fucking streamers, yeah, I don't want to spend more money to go see it in the movie theater just for like two weeks later. Be like, oh, it's there for free. Great. Yeah. Free relative to already having the subscription. So it's just like I I don't these they're going to kill their box offices no matter what, unless you make it like an Oppenheimer, like, oh, you need to go see this in the big screen. Like you you are really missing something from the movie. I think another movie that not even that it was like you wouldn't even necessarily think this, but had to be seen in the big screen was The Revenant with Leo. I remember watching that in the theater and being like, whoa. And then I remember trying to watch it at home and be like, this is the most boring fucking movie on earth. Yeah, I could see. I could see if you don't have that sound and the the big screen. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that movie in a while, uh, except for the fact that uh, I brought my kid to it uh, when he was a baby because it was one of those. (laughs) uh, Actually, my my pal Katie Terrell, uh, Katie Darrell brought uh, her uh, son as well. And we were just like, it's a good thing they're this little (laughs) because this is a bit of a rough one. But that was a that was a great movie uh, in in the theater. And I think that, yeah, I mean, look, there was a lot of talk this summer. I think that uh, the weekend to circle is really that barbenheimer weekend because you know barbie 
I've seen it. I assume you haven't. You don't yeah, yeah. need to see it in the theater, but there was so much excitement about it. People wanted to go see it in the theater. And that's almost more important. I think the enjoyment of it on Max uh, or wherever down the road, I think will work just as well. But it was a fun experience to see in the theater. And I could see the appeal. You also have two huge bankable names propping that movie up. Yes. Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie right now are like gold. Oh, I thought I thought you meant uh, Kate McKinnon and Simu Liu. But yes, you, you're absolutely right. The two you I mentioned mean, make a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, those two people are, like, and I was thinking about this when we were looking at that list of box office draws. I'm pretty sure the reason Suicide Squad's so high up there is because that was when Will Smith was still a movie star. Like yeah. the guy who you just That's say, this point. is a Will Smith movie. People are going to go see this movie because Will Smith's in it, period. End yeah. of conversation. So I, it, in that sense, it's like, I think that helps. That's why you have these bankable movie stars and their Q ratings and all this stuff. Because you know that sometimes people will just go see something because they're like, that actor I likes in it. They must be good. It must be a good thing. Or I just want to see it because I love seeing them in things, whatever it is, right? Didn't two fans of Anna de Armas sue some shitty movie because she was shown in the trailer and then was like cut from the movie or yes, something like that? I, I forget what that was, but you're right. Yeah. And, and sometimes, yeah, it's like somebody's in the trailer, but they're actually barely in the movie. They're actually in it, <laughs> but you know, their dialogue got uh, cut out or something. Um, I want to not let this comment from Matt R go uh, uh, unsaid from earlier. I know we were talking about Amber Heard, whom I called Amber Turd and Matt R said, I'd still Amber her turd. Um, I, I think you're probably not alone in that, but uh, it'll be very interesting to uh, try and uh, watch, uh, watch her uh, on the screen and see if I'm distracted uh, by it. Uh, Ivan Soto thinks it might've been a mission impossible movie that, uh, she was cut out of. I don't know that for sure, but, uh, perhaps you were right. Um, and Matt R again says Barbie was actually fun. Definitely not necessary to see in the theater. Yeah. Um, my, my five and a half year old daughter, uh, saw it in the theater twice and uh, she was very excited. And what I learned is that if I'm watching a movie with my daughter, um, she's not just telling you what's about to happen. She's also going to say, and later, this is what's going to happen. And uh, I don't really care so much about that, but there were other people in the movie theater. And so I was like, sorry, she's just excited. <laughs> and uh, everything was okay. And here's something that I can relate to. Planet Fitness is across the parking lot from my AMC theater. So I drive by with my two popcorn buckets. Uh, yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. That sounds like the thing to do. Uh, anyway, I think that uh, summer movie season is definitely winding down. Uh, there, uh, I referenced it earlier in the show. The uh, foul mouth talking dog movie Strays looks like it might be fun. I don't think I need to see it on a, in a theater, but. <laughs> It's just live action uh, Secret Life of Pets, isn't it? Yes. It really feels, yeah, because it's also like Kevin Hart's one of them, and Kevin Hart was in Secret Life of Pets. So, uh, yes, it feels like that, but it's also like my, yeah, it's R rated Secret Life of Pets live action. Um, if I didn't have the AMCA list, I wouldn't even consider going to see it, but. When we reach the fall, that's when I always have to decide if I if I want to keep my A list because if you if you cancel it, you can't renew it for three months. But I'm going to tell you, like November through February, it's going to be really hard to imagine seeing even two movies a month, let alone three a week. But uh, 
I'll let everybody know. I'm going to study the uh, the review uh, calendar uh, that's uh, coming up. Um, and uh, Ivan Soto asks, why does Strays even exist? Look, if it's funny, uh, I'll be able to tell you at some point because I'll see it. Uh, if it's not funny, then you will uh, be right. And uh, one more from Dominica Saxon. I just saw Anna de Armas in another movie and the whole time I was waiting for some someone to panic and have her say, it's no big deal. Don't shit in the bed. Actually, you're talking oh. about Amber Heard. My mistake. Sorry. Uh, yeah. But, you know, Tom Cruise is the example I always give of the guy who, as crazy as he seems and as wild as his personal life is, and as much as we know about it, when we're a few minutes into the movie, I don't even think about it anymore. Like that new Mission Impossible I went with my friend Eric Connor, who does uh, Marvel movie talk with me over on the Geekscape network. And uh, we were making jokes about like, oh, is he is he going to be on a mission to find David Miscavige's mis missing wife? And, you know, we were making jokes about Scientology, uh, not really Scientology. But anyway, we were talking and then like the movie starts. I don't even think about it. And then the movie's over. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, he always does that to me. So. Uh, I, I'm very pro Tom me, Cruise. I'm sorry. What were you saying, Jeff? Well, the one thing that bugged me with the the most recent uh, Mission Impossible is like, and I don't know if it's I've just become picky with this shit, especially after seeing your John Wicks and everything. But like twofold. One, it's really inconsistent whether or not Ethan Hunt is the world's greatest fighter or he's five foot five Tom Cruise because there's scenes where he fights <laughs> everybody in a room all at once and then they're seeing where two guys put their hands on his shoulder and he's like i can't leave and it's just like what the fuck is going like you gotta yeah. have a little like choose one he can either fight everyone or he can't fight when people like have a good grab on him the other thing that i pointed out that i got a little argument with uh natasha's dad over was i just like with this with palm clementif in that movie yes. her character they have so many characters like that in movies now in john wick it was ruby rose where it's just like look Rebecca Ferguson is a believable badass in the Mission Impossible movies. When Correct. she has her fight scenes, it's like, oh, I, I buy that. When 100-pound Palm Clementif is holding a fucking lead pipe and is like, I'm a brawler. It's like, <laughs> this is fucking stupid. You are a yeah. tiny woman. You can do all sorts of kinds of fighting. But like straight-up fistfight brawl is a stupid version for you to be doing. And it just was like, it was yeah. like, oh, because she's supposed to be some badass French clown lady or something. I just was like, look, give her something realistic to do. Give her a gun or anything else. Like these scenes are just stupid when she's like, I'm here with just my bare hands. Like, why? Yeah, why it would have it, it would have been more believable if, uh, you know, she had uh, grabbed her adversary's temples and gone sleep and used her mantis powers. You know, then you would be like, yes, of course. Oh, if you put okay, them to yeah. sleep, you can kick their ass. Yeah, tough. Yeah. Then she's just uh, kicking them on the ground. Any, anyway, uh, thanks to Raging Rhino, John Nolan, and I would uh, love to be uh, visiting in Texas at some point and uh, have a uh, Shiner Bach with him. I think that's the beer that I, I remember from Texas. Uh, but uh, he's always uh, welcome here on the show uh, whenever it makes sense. And of course, our pal Will Sterling at Will Sterling underscore Jeff DeRay. Don't look for him anywhere. There's, there's, uh, yours, you're, you're, <laughs> Uh, Jeff DeRay is uh, living proof that uh, you can be a regular on the black cast and still live entirely off the grid. So, <laughs> um, and uh, don't forget uh, the new show that I'm a part of over on the, who are these podcasts network? Who are these broadcasters? Uh, we do that 
on the YouTube channel for Who Are These Podcasts, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. It does also exist as an audio podcast, and I'm told that the compression on my voice makes me sound like a grown-up in the audio version, so please look for it there. Uh, we have fun. Even though we play clips from politics, we try to have a mix of uh, how everybody in politics says dumb things and looks really funny when you take them completely out of context. So please check out who are these broadcasters uh, over there. And of course, I can be found on X and threads and Instagram at Christian DMZ. And of course, our YouTube channel at Blatcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T, where you can see the video version of this show and uh, a number of shows that we do video versions for. Uh, that is all the time we have for this week. But we will see you next time on The Blackcast. to the Bladcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. Like The Bladcast on Facebook, follow at Bladcast on Twitter and Instagram, and of course, the man responsible for what you just heard is on Twitter and Instagram at ChristianDMZ. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F-A-R-D- M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on the Bladcast. Beyond the rim of starlight, my love is wandering in starflight. I know he'll find star-clustered reaches. Love, strange love a star teaches. I know his journey ends. Never his Star Trek will go on forever, but tell him while he wanders his starry sea, remember, remember me. The Black Cast, thank you for the 199, Christian. Uh, Cardiff, grab your guitar to play Whole Lot of Rosie. Stay tuned till the end of the show, I will. Is that a real song? Yeah, ACDC. I don't know anything about songs or movies. I'm sorry, Christian. I don't know anything. Mousies. <laughs> <laughs> Mousies? The Bletcast 199. Who's had more hands up their bum, Chad or Tuki? <laughs> Chad. I think that's the answer. I think that is the answer. Thank you, Bletcast. I'm going to name drop real quick. I hope that's okay. I had Christian Blatt at my house this past weekend. Oh, yeah.
Oh, I'm getting ready to break into a Slim Jim. Yeah. I can't wait to isolate that and start putting it the end credits of the Black Cast, uh, where we have a little montage of clips. The Black Cast. cast. The Black Cast is 100% right. Well, this has been the Black Cast. You can find me at Christian DMZ. Jeff Duray, not on Twitter. Uh, the Black Cast. Oh, I like this one. This is nice. This is what you were saying, Richard. The Black Cast. Thank you for two bucks. The Blad Cast. One of the best podcasts you can ever see, The Black Cast. Whoop de doo, we're watching it. We got no Wi Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it. Go watch The Blad Cast. Good luck with the whole thing. And, you know, here's to another 500. Get you to 1,000, you know, which is more than 500. Last time I checked. Hello, fellow favorite person of Christian Blatt. How are you? Hi, other fellow <laughs> favorite person of Christian Blatt. <laughs> Our boy, Christian Blatt. I'm glad Christian Blatt uh, put that up because I totally forgot I am doing the podcast tomorrow. We have Christian Blatt on the show. And by the way, I want you guys to pay attention to both Christian and Brian who are aggressively ignoring you. <laughs> Christian looks particularly <laughs> troubled there. Are you guys playing Wordle with each other? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I have a friend who does a podcast with his wife and another guy. And whenever the wife talks, this is what me and Christian are doing. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't, I, I can't shit on him for it anymore. And I'm like, now that I see myself doing it. But E-Rock's talking about some boring shit right there. <laughs> I'm going to pull back the curtain for you guys. At that moment, I was texting Christian and saying, I'm going to fake a heart attack. And he was texting me saying, I'm going to fake an earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We're closed. That was not my fault. Tuki loves you all more than a friend. I love Tuki. Yay! <laughs> hacka, hacka!